Hello and welcome to everybody. This is Hear Her Sports, the podcast of long-form, intimate profiles of female athletes breaking boundaries, speaking up, and living with power and confidence. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery. Today's guest is Olympian and ice hockey superstar, Brianna Decker. She was very generous talking about playing with boys growing up, what the recent USA Hockey training camp was like, dealing with all the uncertainty of COVID, and her incredible work developing the game for future generations through her coaching and her foundation, Brianna Decker Endowment for Girls Hockey. Before we get going, because I'm talking to an Olympian this week, I want to tell you about Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. The two hosts, Jill and Allison, not only talk to athletes, but give you all aspects of the games, how sports work, history, interviews with people behind the scenes, which have been some of my favorites, and up-to-date news on what's going on, which has been particularly helpful during the pandemic when changes are so frequent. And I also listen because it's another sporty podcast produced and hosted by women. Find them at flamealive.com on your favorite podcast app and at flamealivepod on all the socials. And finally, a big thanks to our new Patreon supporters. I so appreciate you. If you too are interested in supporting the podcast and all we do to bring you voices of female athletes speaking up, go to patreon.com slash hearhersports. Well, let's meet Brianna. With me here today is American ice hockey star forward Brianna Decker. Brianna represented the U.S. in two Olympic Games, where she won gold in 2018 and silver in 2014. Played in seven world championships, winning gold in six of those, and 10 four-nation cups, and won 12 Nations Invitational Tournament Series. She is also a two-time winner of the Bob Allen Women's Player of the Year Award, a two-time CWHL Clarkson Cup winner. In 2016, Brianna helped the Boston Pride win the Isabel Cup, was two-time NWHL Most Valuable Player, and 2012 Patty Kazmaier Memorial Award winner, and played on the University of Wisconsin Division I National Championship team in 2011. Brianna has been playing hockey at an international level for almost 20 years, and she has been an assistant coach for the U.S. Under-18 Women's National Team since 2018. Brianna is currently playing with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association Calgary Region Team. Welcome, Brianna. It is really an honor to have you here today. I'm looking forward to meeting you and talking women's hockey, which is definitely in a state of change these days. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Well, you know, let's start with a bit of introduction of what you're up to and maybe where you are. Yeah, so, you know, when COVID hit back in March, I was up in Calgary. Um, and so I was living up there and training up there, obviously playing, well, planning on playing on their PWHPA team. But in October, we had a U.S. Women's National Team camp in Blaine, Minnesota. So I actually drove down from Calgary and participated in that camp, which was incredible for us to even pull off a camp just considering the circumstances. But USA Hockey has an incredible medical staff and incredible staff in general. So we were able to pull a camp off. It was fun to be able to get back and compete um, with the U.S. team and the U.S. girls. And then so since I came back to the States, I'm having difficulty getting back up to Calgary right now because of the borders and the border rules. So I'm currently back in Wisconsin at my parents' house and have been training near Madison, Wisconsin, which is about an hour drive. So I do that on a daily basis to go and skate with um, some guys, some old, uh, actually, ex-Badger guys that I used to play with when I was there. So, yeah, so that's kind of been what I'm up to right now. Um, It's been a busy household, but it's been fun to be back in Wisconsin. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the difficulty of getting back to Canada. 
Yeah, so typically when I played in the CWHL team when I was up in Calgary, we were on a work permit. But the PWHPA, we're not supplied that at the moment. And so um, I'm just working on trying to get a work visa, you know, helping out at a certain academy up there. So hopefully that goes through. But at the moment, I'm content being back in Wisconsin. I haven't been back here for this long in probably, you know, 10, 10, 11 years. So it feels good to be back more than just a week to visit family. Yeah, maybe one of the bonuses of uh, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a plus side to it, I guess. So you mentioned training. What kind of training are you doing? Like, what's your week like when you're, you know, yeah, what's your week like of training? Yeah, so right now I'm currently, you know, skating at least three to four times a week. And so I skate for about an hour and a half on those days. And then um, I'm working out, um, you know, more so in the weight room, like lifting about three times a week as well. And then I also, I'm into Pilates at the moment too. So I do Pilates once or twice a week. So with all that gives me at least one day off a week. I try to take two days off just because I'm a little older. So I'd like to have a little bit more rest time as well. But right now it's just been that. I, I had to obviously get a few different um, items for my parents' gym down <laughs> downstairs in the basement. I had to order a bike or two. So it keeps me busy though. I love training. It's my, you know, it's my job, but I don't definitely, um, you know, don't look at it as a job. I look at it as something that's going to you know, create an opportunity for me to hopefully win another gold medal. Yeah. You mentioned rest days. On your rest days, do you take completely off, like you sit on the couch and watch TV? Well, it depends. It depends how, um, you know, how my body feels. I really obviously am in tune with how my body feels, but I typically go for at least, you know, two to, you know, two to three mile walk. I got a puppy in the spring, so she keeps me pretty busy as far as being active. She's a border collie, so definitely needs that exercise. So I typically go for a long walk. It's a definitely a great way to recover your body as well. Are there any sort of surprising or maybe surprising conditioning or abilities that are important to you that you're, you know, you're always focused on maintaining and keeping up with? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized, I mean, I'm going to hop into the mental side of the game a little bit now, because I think right now, mentally, it's really tough with all you know, the schedule with COVID. And that's one thing that I want to, I keep up on. I just want to make sure that my mental game is continuing to grow during this period. You can work on your mental game. You can prepare yourself during these off times, but it's hard to test those mental, you know, those mental gains because we're not having games. We're not having um, consistent practices with a team. And so that's one thing that's been tough, but I've been able to find ways to be creative to continually mentally compete with myself. Talk a little bit more detail about what kind of mental training that you're doing and why it's important, you know, like at what time in the competitions it becomes important. Yeah, I mean, you look at, um, for us, it's, you know, the Olympics every four years. We train every day for that. But, um, you know, everyone tunes into that final game and talk about a pressured situation that you got to be mentally prepared for. So on a daily basis, I challenge myself. I compete with myself, whether it's on the bike, if I can get a certain amount of miles on a bike in a certain amount of time on a weekly basis or on a daily basis. I like to challenge myself that way. I like to challenge my leadership abilities as well as far as reaching out to teammates, seeing how they are, checking in with them, and you know, seeing if I can challenge them in certain ways so that we're kind of continuously growing as a program as well. And so from a mental standpoint, the way I check in, I journal a lot. I write things down at the end of the night, how I feel, you know, on a weekly basis, I'll write down things of, you know, what I want to get out of the week, because that way I'm staying in check mentally and physically throughout the week. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm terrible at journaling at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to do it before eight o'clock. Otherwise, I'm going to be sleeping soon. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, maybe I'm just waiting too long. <laughs> <laughs> I heard in a, let's see, it was in a podcast. Oh, it was a women's hockey podcast that you recorded in October. And, you know, you talked about motivation. And one of the things that you said really struck me, you said that you came across thoughts of what's the point. And that thought crossed my mind recently. And so it definitely struck me. But also, I think in these COVID days, you know, things are changing so quickly. So I was curious to sort of check in and see what your motivation is like now, which, you know, we're about maybe one and a half, two months since that recording. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I had mentioned that in one of my podcasts. Yeah, because I was, you know, you get to a point where you're like, okay, like, I'm, you know, I'm training for a camp and now this camp gets canceled and I'm training for you know, I don't train for a camp, right? But I'm training for something bigger than that. But like, you're preparing, you're trying to peak at the right times for these camps, these tryouts, and then they get canceled. And so it's, it is, it was frustrating. And I think right now, the thing that has helped me is a change of scenery. I think going from Calgary to Wisconsin, and then now I'm skating with different groups of guys, and they're all in the same boat, whether, you know, they're prepping for their professional teams overseas or their pro season for the NHL or semi-pro seasons. It's just, it's great to be around a lot of people who are in the same boat. And, you know, obviously same sport, but just, you know, different sex. And so so my motivation has gone up since I've been home because of, you know, seeing that everyone else is in the same boat and being around a lot more people. But there are some challenges. I've recognized that a lot of my team, obviously all my teammates are in the same boat too. I think checking in with them on a daily basis, seeing how their training is going, whether it's one or two people, you know, the same people every other week. I think those are things that have helped me get through and be more motivated. Yeah, yeah. It is hard when you're not competing and, you know, you're not around your normal crew. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been difficult times. But, you know, I think also a lot of us girls who play in the PWHPA, we're used to having a heavier training load than we are competing load. This might be a little bit different for college kids being more they're used to more game schedules and having a couple of games every week. And right, right now, I think they're not having that because of the COVID situation. So for us, we're used to doing more training than anything. That's interesting. I want to go back just to you talked about the Olympics and being in like a super high pressure situation. Is there any way to describe what it's like to be in that that kind of game, you know, with such pressure? You know, it's a tough situation probably to describe and you don't you don't realize it until you're in it. So, you know, I would I go back to like going into the 2014 Olympics, my first Olympics. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for this. I felt like I prepared myself. And, you know, and then you get into that game and you're like, holy crap, like this is a huge deal. It's so much pressure. It's one game. It's every shift matters mentality. You know, you can make mistakes, but your mistakes can't lead to opportunities for the other team. You know, they have to make you have to make up for them. So there's a lot of pressure every shift. And, you know, that's where I talk about my mental game became a huge part of my game because after 2014 Olympics, I realized that the difference between winning and losing isn't how strong, you know, how strong players are your opponent is compared to you guys or how skilled your opponent is compared to our team. It's, it's mentally how, how strong your team is. And it always comes down to the wire. It comes down to an overtime or a shootout in 2018. It's like our team was mentally ready for that situation. In the 2014 Olympics, was there something that really surprised you about being at the Olympics that you know, you were able to prepare for in 2018. I mean, and not necessarily just in the game or the, you know, the hockey 
a specific area, but I don't know, just all the hubbub and all, you know, the, the village and all that stuff that sort of freaked you out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're at the village and, you know, there's other events going on, there's, you know, you can <laughs> you can walk around and get distracted really easily. And I think in, it's funny, in 2014, I did less of, you know, I was so focused on hockey, so focused on our games, which I think is really important because that's what you're there for. But it's also, you got to find a sense of balance and taking time to yourself and taking your time to just relax on a day off. As far as thinking about hockey, it's like you need to put that, aside giving your body a rest giving your body mentally and physically rest and i think our team and the players on our team in 2018 we did a better balance of that being able to balance you know eliminating distractions but also being able to take time and take in the olympic experience as well sometimes you can maybe get too worked up focusing just on the hockey exactly yeah exactly you mentioned that the USA team had a team camp in October. What are those camps like? And, you know, like what happened? And you specifically talked about the COVID protocol. I'm interested in hearing about that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, our COVID protocol was to a T. You know, everyone got tested before camp. We all flew in, got tested, and we're quarantined until, you know, until tests were back. And we had a, it was about a week-long camp. So, you know, five to seven days. I can't remember exactly. But we skated about, you know, eight to nine times in five days. I think that's what it was. And so it's a lot of time on the ice. We had a lot of games against each other. So we had inner squad scrimmages and, you know, they're competitive, but it was, it was great to be out there with girls. And we had a good mix between veteran players and experienced players. And then um, you know, newcomers and rookie players coming in to our program. So all around, I think we got a lot out of the camp as far as players. And I think staff was able to see players and watch players and see how they've trained over the last eight months or so since COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Is there something that that camp was selecting for? Is there something coming up? I mean, I know that the worlds are coming up, but that's not for quite a while. Yeah, we're, obviously world championships aren't until, um, you know, end of March, beginning of April. But we're hopefully playing against Canada, series against Canada, you know, in the upcoming year here, end of January or February. Um, usually we have series against Canada, so we're hopefully going to be able to pull those off depending on the COVID situation. So that was kind of, you know, a way for the coaches to check in and see how we were doing. So that's kind of a tryout for that a little bit. And what else is coming up in 2021? Uh, I mean... 2021 <laughs> we eventually obviously we'll have world championships but we i mean everything everything's up in the air but i mean we're gonna have olympic tryouts at some point right, um right. i don't and we're not sure when those are gonna be held yet you know since i've been on the team we've had olympic tryouts in june we've had olympic tryouts in august before so it's um, kind of up in the air and uh, we'll just see what happens depending on uh, the COVID situation and sorry, I'm not up to date on this, but are the Winter Olympics going to be held in 2022? They're going to stay on schedule. So as of right now, they're on schedule. And okay. so, yeah, like as far as we know, um, I think everything will be gauged too on how the Summer Olympics go this summer. Um, I think they're going to be prepared, more than enough prepared for the Winter Olympics, though. How are you with this sort of unknown you know, everything is sort of shifting all the time and, you know, you don't know what's coming up. How are you with that? Yeah, I think it, it's tough. It's a tough situation. The unknown is is tough, but the way I've been able to get through it is that the thing that doesn't change is like what I'm doing to prepare myself for the 2022 Olympics. 
and that's, you know, every day I got to train still and every day I have to take care of my body, get my rest. And so I've been able to just focus on a day-to-day basis instead of looking too far ahead because at points during this whole thing, I have looked too far ahead and it's kind of frustrating and disappointing in some ways. And so the more I just focus on day-to-day, that's the way I've been able to get through things. Do you have a coach? You know, somebody telling you what to do every day, basically. Oh, uh, no, uh, I'm on my own for that because, I mean, with our head coach for our national team, like they're mostly fully and in, they're involved anytime. Like I can reach out to him anytime, but usually at camps is when, you know, the, the staff is more involved. But other than that, like we're responsible where we hold ourselves accountable and each other accountable during these times when we're away from each other. Here's another brief mention about our Patreon. As a supporter, you can get access to exclusive content, hand-printed frameable quotes said by guests on episodes, an opportunity to ask guests follow-up questions along with our absolute gratitude and some other perks. There are several levels of support to sign up for. At the $5 gear up level and above, you will get access to exclusive audio content each month. I love the February track with two coaches joining me to talk about intervals. Find us at patreon.com slash hearhersports or link from the Patreon page on our website, hearhersports.com. Now, let's get back to Brianna. How are you feeling about women's hockey these days? I mean, we're, we're working at it. You know, the biggest thing right now with our PWHPA is we're trying to get something sustainable, long-term league going that's going to be able to, you know, be better for women in the future. And, you know, I think, I mean, I'm not blaming COVID, but I think that has been, hasn't been helpful. Um, I think we are going to be continuing to make big gains for our league and being able to hopefully push for something that's going to be a lot bigger and better than anything that women's hockey has had. Could you remind us what the goals are of the league and sort of why it was initiated? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we came up PWHPA because like I just mentioned, like we want something sustainable long-term you know, I think we've always run into financial issues. Both leagues that I've been in, the NWHL and the CWHL, from a financial situation, have, have struggled. I think, you know, we want something that's going to be reliable and something that women's hockey deserves. I look at the PWHPA, and when we have our showcases, there's at least, you know, at, at a certain game, there's about 15 players who have played in at least one Olympics. And there's so many Olympians on the ice, and it's great competition. And we want to increase that visibility in the correct manner. And the PWHPA has that lined up correctly, I believe. And right now the games are played as part of the Dream Tour. What's that been like? Yep. I mean, pre-pandemic. <laughs> Pretend we yeah, don't have a pre- pandemic. <laughs> yeah, pre-pandemic. Um, yeah, like they've been great. We've stopped in different cities where, you know, NHL teams have helped us and backed us up. They're, you know, their players association or their, you know, players alumni associations have helped in those certain areas. I remember pre-pandemic, we were down in Arizona and they just did a phenomenal job of seeing us down there. And, you know, I think it's just having the NHL support is what's going to move us forward um, in the right direction. I believe just from a, you know, people think about finances more than anything, but I just think about from a marketing standpoint and from a visibility standpoint, it will be very helpful for us to have them back us up. Sure. And what have the crowds been like at, at the games? Uh, they've been really good. We have played in small venues, though, so it's a little bit different. We, you know, we play in smaller rinks, but 
you have the fans that know who we are and follow us individually, but follow us as teams too and hop on whatever team is playing that weekend. I think the PWHPA and Jana Hefford's done a really good job at organizing this all, you know, in a short amount of time. And I think, you know, this year with, with without the pandemic, this year would have been a really great year for our, the Players Association to take a big step forward. Let's look maybe five years down the line. What are you hoping to see in this league, in the PWHPA? And, you know, very specifically, what goals are there? Yeah, I mean, we hopefully have a, you know, a substantial financial backing. I hope that we have support from the NHL and being able to have, you know, six to eight teams having little things like having our own locker room in certain rinks and then being able to, you know, travel appropriately not maybe you know not bussing eight ten hours you know hopefully we can be able to fly as a team um whether it's commercial or charter charter is probably a little bit too big of a step there but we asked for like the smallest things having a weight room in the same rink having our laundry done like those are things that are done in college for us you know that we don't have to worry about on a daily basis and so it's small things that i look at five years from now just having things be easier for us and having us, you know, if I want to play professional women's hockey, that can be my job. And I don't have to worry about, you know, working a night shift or working all day and then going to practice like a lot of the players do in our association right now. Are you trying to get a minimum salary for players? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're trying, you know, we want to be able to, like I said, financially support us in a way that we don't have to work another job or if we have to maybe part, maybe a part time. But I look at like these, these players, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on the national team and, you know, training is my, you know, is my job. Like I said, um, I I don't need to have another job at the moment, but these players who are working full time and then going to practice and then, you know, they're going away on the weekends to play in showcase games and then they're getting up and getting back, you know, late on Sunday nights and then have to wake up early Monday mornings. Like those are the players that we're trying to work this to be able to become something bigger so they don't have to have that. Yeah, I mean, I think for maybe fans, it's sometimes hard to realize what a big deal that is when you're training full time and then also having to work full time. It just it, it makes it very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So I give a lot of those girls credit and I, I hope that we can figure something out our generation right now in the PWHPA, we're working for that younger generation that's coming up, you know, those college girls that are going to be graduating and they can have somewhere great to play in North America. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's really interesting that, I mean, a lot of the guests that I speak to, I've mentioned this before, that a lot of the guests that I speak to, you know, are doing a lot of work to make it better for the younger players. And I noticed that you have a Brianna Decker endowment for girls hockey. Talk about that maybe. Yeah, so I created this endowment a couple of years. I think it's been a couple of years now or a year or so ago. When I'm back in Wisconsin, I realized the lack of support there is for women's hockey and girls hockey in our area. I grew up playing boys hockey and um, I, I loved it. I have three brothers, so I loved playing boys hockey. But I was like, there's no reason why there can't be supported girls programs. Financially, they struggle. And so I created an endowment that every year a youth girls team around Wisconsin can apply for the grants and it will help them, you know, pay for jerseys, pay for ice times. They can, you know, it can help pay for equipment. If they're, you know, their program, the girls need equipment. They can do whatever they want with the money that's going to be useful. But I just wanted to help grow the game in my state. And that was my way of giving back. Like I said, I played Waukesha Warhawks boys hockey. And I was like, this would be awesome to have a girls program that could be fully supported and not have to worry about things financially. 
And um, then Delman has taken off and I'm looking forward to putting more time and effort into it when I'm done playing and, uh, you know, hopefully taking bigger steps in being able to support women's hockey, you know, even in the central district, you know, Midwest to then hopefully around the country. And you're also coaching the U.S. U18, is it U18 team? Yep. Yeah, the U18 team. How has that been and, and are you liking that? Yeah, so I'm on my third year, or this would have been my third year on staff as an assistant coach, and it's been incredible. Being, I was a U18 player myself back in 2008 and 2009, and so it's kind of come full circle. The most incredible part about coaching these girls is I'm literally coaching girls that are going to eventually, you know, take my spot or fill the shoes of, I should say, the skates per se, of the players that are on our national team right now. And so it's amazing to work with girls who are so dedicated, wanting to get better every single day. Um, And it's fun to be able to put my focus into coaching. And I've learned a lot from coaching to help me as a player as well. Like what? You know, you see the game differently. Every coach that I've had growing up till now has been like, you know, coaches see the game differently as a player, whether it's spacing on the ice, as far as like playmaking abilities, you see things differently as a coach. And so I recognize that when I'm coaching, I recognize those things and I go out and play as a player and I realize I know I have time and space in certain areas because I've watched the game a lot more and I've looked at the game differently. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. One of the things that I have trouble with is, you know, being very thankful for the advancements in women's sports and in women's sports in general, but also in specific sports. But also balancing that with being frustrated by a lack of speed of further development. How do you balance that? And do you even notice that? What, what do you think about sort of the development of women's sports? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, it's funny that you say you struggle with that because it is, it's, a, it's a hard balance. I think we work every day and every year to try to create more visibility and more you know, push our sport further and grow our sport every single day. And we do a lot of outreach things. You know, we go to different youth teams. We work with different organizations. Like when we're on our U.S. team and we're going to play a game in um, Anaheim, we're doing a lot of outreach out to communities to, you know, interact with girls and young boys. So I think because we put so much effort into it and then, yeah, it's frustrating that we can't see growth faster as far as getting more visibility. And, you know, everything seems to always feel like a big deal. But the way I try to look at it that helps me with those frustrations is you look at the NHL, they started their league with the original six teams and, you know, they started from little too. And now look at where they are and it took a long time and maybe it advanced a lot quicker than what we're, we're going through right now. But I just have, I have faith that we're eventually going to get there and it's going to take off and it's going to be incredible for the younger generation. Yeah. We sometimes forget how, long the men's leagues have been going on when we're comparing ourselves to them. Yeah. And I think sometimes overnight, we want it to happen overnight. Right. right? And I think that, but I don't blame us as well, because a few of us who've you know, been around for, you know, in the national team spotlight for 10 plus years, we see like the smallest growth, but the NHL having us be around at all-star weekends, you know, the last few years, I think those are like little steps that really help us and give us a lot more visibility and the visibility that we deserve. Mm-hmm. Are you hopeful, you know, when you talk to the younger generation, 
when you're traveling around doing these development camps, but also coaching the U18 team, like what kind of differences are you seeing in their attitudes? <laughs> That's always an interesting question. When I'm coaching U18 girls, I, um, it's, yeah, it's a lot different than when I was around. You know, I think the girls are different. The gen- younger generation is different. The one thing that I've realized is that when I was a U18er and, you know, all of us U18 girls would come from our programs and we were, you know, the top two or three, we didn't come into the program acting that way. We were like, okay, now we're surrounded by a bunch of all-stars and we have to compete for spots and compete to be, you know, the best team in the world. Whereas I think sometimes you go to these camps and U18ers come from their best, you know, they're the best on their teams that they come from and they act like they're the best (laughs) um, on this U18 team. And it's just funny. It's a younger generation. I think to have that attitude, but the one thing I do like think is great is that they have that confidence. And I think, you know, when I first got on the U18 team, it was, you know, that confidence was maybe down a little bit. You're shy, you're unfamiliar. And these young girls come in with a little bit of confidence. And I think that confidence will push them through to the next level if they keep a humble side of that as well. Yeah, I I like hearing that, that they have more confidence. Yeah. Can we talk about height? You're 5'4". Do you feel sure? I mean, the reason I'm asking is because I'm 5'4", too. And I've always felt like, oh, real athletes are taller than that. So I always, I love meeting shorter athletes. They say like great things come in small packages, right? <laughs> so five, four is the way to go, but I'm technically five, three. I do five, four cause I'm on the ice. So I have skates on. So it gives me a little bit of height, but yeah, I don't, I don't worry about my height. I, I never have. I, I'm always like, I can be as strong as someone who's, you know, five, nine out there, five, 11. So I never really looked at it as a disadvantage. I've looked at it as an opportunity for me to, <laughs> you know, show what I'm made of. Cool. I think a lot about training with men. And when you were a kid, do you remember sort of, I mean, I suspect you had that, I have to keep up kind of mentality. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think when I was younger, playing with the guys, I feel like a lot of girls talk about, you know, it was it was really tough and the guys were mean or they didn't let me fit in. And I, I really never had an issue with the boys teams that I played on. I was really fortunate. The guys were great. They respected me. They wanted me to go in drills with them. They wanted me to be on their line. I just had a an immense amount of respect from the guys that I played with. Now, playing against guys, like the guys that I played against, weren't always the best, right? Like they <laughs> they could be rude and stuff like that or try to hit me and, you know, all this stuff. But I had 16 other guys that I was playing with that had my back. And right. so I, I never felt the I had to keep up with the guys that I was playing with, but I had two older brothers that I was always by. And I always, I think I always had that mentality of I got to keep up and try to beat them type thing. Do you remember before you started playing on a team with your brothers and other guys, what it was like to play with your brothers? I mean, that's a long time ago now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I forget how it was to play with the guy, like guys in some sense, you know, I played my first full season of girls hockey was in ninth grade so that was when I went to Shattuck St. Mary's so I played all the way through middle school and stuff with guys teams but you know my my brothers they pushed me and they they made me the competitive player that I am today whether it was outside playing street hockey or outside playing baseball in the backyard or jumping on the trampoline who can jump higher just certain things like that they always made me compete for everything and that's why I feel like I'm so competitive now. 
in my research, I found a video of you at a performance lab sort of nerding out on your hockey stick. I had no idea <laughs> that there were decisions to be made in a stick. Yeah, I mean, that's just an example of uh, how technology's come such a long way with, um, you know, sticks and equipment that we all use. Yeah, there's so there's different <laughs> different sticks that work for different players and the way you shoot the puck, a lot of times sticks can be a little bit more helpful if you're using the correct stick, depending on, I mean, I think in that one, I probably talked about the kick point of the stick and rather, you know, the stick flexes more at the bottom of the, the shaft or in the mid shaft, depending on what type of shooter you are. But yeah, there's a lot of details that go into it that people don't realize now, but we're fortunate that like CCM working with them and being sponsored with them uh, by them for the last six years or so, it's been amazing to be able to see how much technology has advanced to help me in my game. That's cool. Are there other pieces of equipment where you're making choices like that? Um, skates, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, there's different types of skates as far as like a one-piece boot, two-piece boot. I mean, it gets into different things like that. And most most companies in like CCM makes one-piece boots now just because then you're getting the most out of your stride. You can feel the ice better. Do you have custom boots? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Custom skates, yeah. And how are those? Like, how do you make those? You go somewhere and get your foot molded? So, yeah, they, well, yeah, it's kind of how it used to be, but no, they have a system where they scan your foot now. Um, Of course, with like a tablet, an advanced tablet system where they scan your foot in 360 and they're allowed to take that image and, you know, basically put it in a computer that, you know, makes the boot for you. Wow. That's incredible. Are they comfortable? I mean, I remember that with playing hockey that they're, they, I don't remember being particularly comfortable. Yeah, so like skates used to be really uncomfortable as far as like it would take you about, a, you know, six times to break your skates in, like six times on the ice, six hour sessions. And now I can put a new skate on and be be good to go in like two sessions. So the way they're molded, the way they fit your foot, it's just a lot, you know, that transition is really easy to get a new pair. You know, like what level skaters are getting that kind of treatment? I mean, I'm assuming it's not youth hockey. Yeah, no, not youth hockey, but professional. And I'm pretty sure college players have that ability as well. Cool. That's cool. Well, anything that we didn't get to that you think is important? I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but is what's important to you? No, I mean, honestly, when I do podcasts and you guys leave it open-ended, I think um, the one thing that I always like make sure I talk about is, you know, just being grateful and thankful for every opportunity that I've had. And without like my family and my parents giving me the opportunity making sacrifices for me to be able to go to prep school at Shattuck St. Mary's, things like that. I wouldn't be where I am today without those guys. So I just appreciate how much support and how how great my parents have been um, as far as balancing being supportive, but also, you know, making things challenging for me as well. So that's kind of how I leave it. How did you get started in hockey and how did you end up going to uh, hockey school or hockey boarding school? Yeah. So my brothers got me into hockey. That's why I started playing. My two older brothers did. And then, like I said, I played boys youth hockey around Waukesha, Wisconsin. But there were also obviously a couple other girls who played boys hockey as well. So a couple older girls, one particular, Emily Kranz, made the decision to go to prep school at Shattuck St. Mary's when she was in ninth grade or 10th grade or something like that. And I, I like idolized her growing up. I wanted to be like her. She was older than me. And so um, after my eighth grade season with the boys, our team kind of disbanded. So I was either going to have to drive to 
Chicago and play on a team there from my parents' house, which was like a two-hour drive, or drive to Madison, which is about an hour, hour and a half, and play on that team. So with my other brothers playing sports and my younger brother in travel hockey, which is going to be a lot for my parents. And so we looked into Shattuck St. Mary's and Emily was there. And so I was like, let's, let's do it. Like if we can afford it, like, let's try to get me to go there. And it, it has been, that was, people ask me what was a, you know, changing point in my career and that going to Shattuck was that without that, I wouldn't be where I am. Were you at that point, you though, you were already pretty good. I suspect. I mean, <laughs> I would, I don't know. I mean, I, I never thought about it that way. I thought about, you know, I've always tried to be one of the better players on my team through hard work and effort every single day and every time I'm on the ice. But going to Shattuck, like I said, that was going to be my first full season of girls. And I knew I was going to be surrounded by a lot of good players. And I was I was a freshman in high school and I was going to be going up against high school seniors. I always played up. I always played a level up growing up. But this was like, going to be a huge step for me if I had made that top team which fortunately I did, but it was just, I knew it was going to be a tough and tough transition. What are your goals going forward? And those can be personal or or hockey related. Yeah, uh, I think going forward from a hockey standpoint, obviously making the next Olympic team for 2022 and then obviously winning a gold medal at the next Olympics. I think now that I've won one, it's like you want nothing more than to come back with a gold medal again. And then personally, you know, I think continue to grow the game, continue to make the situation from the professional level easier for younger players and the younger generation. Like I said earlier in this, in the podcast, just, you know, being able to further my endowment, get more involved with that and, um, you know, get more hype around that. I think I have a great thing that um, I've had USA Hockey help me develop, and I'm looking forward to putting more time and effort into that. What can Vans do to help you, to help hockey? help hockey I think just the more visibility the more fans that come and support us I think that's what's going to drive us forward you know the more fans we can fit in a building the better and I think we have a lot of great fans out there who are dedicated who travel you know hours to come watch us play and we couldn't appreciate those fans more and we love having fans in the building there's nothing better than playing in front of fans so I think just their continued support for women's hockey is what's going to help great well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was fun talking to you. Yes, you as well, Elizabeth. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please text a link to listen to your favorite sporty friend or even just a note about it and about Brianna. Word of mouth always helps the show to grow. For every episode, there are links to things we talked about in the conversation on the show notes page at hearhersports.com. Stay in touch, send an email to elizabeth at hearhersports.com or join us on social at hearhersports. Stay up to date on upcoming episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While 44% of athletes are women, only 4% of the media coverage is about women. Hear Her Sports aims to shift the scale while inspiring women to be their best. I hope you all are staying as healthy as you can getting outside, wearing a mask, and being kind to yourselves in these continuing rough days. A special hello and thank you to mothers who have unfairly and overwhelmingly taken the brunt of the pandemic stress. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Emery for Hear Her Sports. Bye-bye.
I long for the day that the tour, the dream tour comes to Cleveland, Ohio or somewhere close. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't know. We'll, uh, I mean, the closest I bet you would come to Cleveland would probably be like Columbus area. And I know that's right. not too close, but um, I feel like Columbus, Columbus would have like a good, uh, I think just because of their arena district and how it is there for the Jackets, I think it would be a really good spot for us to hold something. What about Buffalo? Buffalo's not that far either. Yeah, I know Buffalo's not far. That would that probably is more realistic actually than than Columbus at this point. So that's right because it's on the border. You just get a lot of fans. Back oh and right. Forth, so. Yeah. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.